I think it's fair to say that many of us likely have an assortment of different movies and perhaps TV specials that if we didn't watch those each and every year, it just wouldn't feel like Christmas. Maybe there's some of the older classics like It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, or some of those other movies that are just part and parcel that have become very venerable with time. Or maybe there's some newer ones, maybe Home Alone, maybe the Santa Claus, and maybe the Polar Express amongst many, many others. And as many different options as there are, I find myself coming back to one in particular, which is A Charlie Brown Christmas. This classic that was given and first aired in 1965 tells a simple story about why Christmas matters and why it's important, and it uses the character of Charlie Brown to tell that story. So at the very beginning, we see this winter wonderland that all the Peanuts characters are wandering around. They're ice skating, and yet Charlie Brown is just simply feeling down. That he feels like he hasn't really captured the true Christmas spirit of that holiday that is coming up just very shortly. And so he seeks some help from his friend Lucy, and he starts to tell her that he's depressed, that he's down and out, that he just doesn't feel like he's captured the true Christmas spirit. And so Lucy tells him, maybe you need involvement. We have a play. It needs a director. Maybe that will help cheer you up. And so Charlie Brown starts to do just that. And yet in the midst of that, he becomes infuriated that he feels that he's much worse than he was before because he just gets frustrated with everything that's going on. And so he starts to wonder, is there something else? And so Lucy suggests to him, maybe if you go and find a good Christmas tree, a shiny aluminum one that will really be a sight to behold. And so then Charlie Brown takes Linus and they go off and they are in search of a tree. And none of those trees really appear or appeal to Charlie Brown, but instead there's one that he does find. And it's a meek, humble little tree that almost looks like a simple sprig of an evergreen tree that he chooses that and he brings it back to all of his friends and all of the characters that are there. And immediately he's ridiculed because they feel like he made a terrible decision. He had one job and it seems like he messed it up. And so Charlie Brown is desperate that he cries out in distress and he says, does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And Linus, one of the most humble characters, says, Charlie Brown, I know what Christmas is about. And so he goes, and he has them dim the lights, he goes up on the stage, and then he says something beautiful. It's nothing original, it's nothing insightful, but instead he quotes scripture. And he starts to quote this particular section of scripture, telling about the birth of the Christ child, and how the angels announced that good news, that glad tidings that is for all peoples. And then he walks off the stage, and he speaks to Charlie Brown, and he says, Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about. And indeed it is. But what does that mean for us right now? What does it mean for us whenever we live in a day and an age that so often over-sentimentalizes Christmas and just simply celebrates it from a secular viewpoint as some sort of abstract joy and peace and nothing more? What happens when we become removed from that reality? Is there something more that Christmas is trying to offer to us, much like it was trying to offer Charlie Brown that day? We start off this morning with the book of the prophet Isaiah. We've always known that context that Isaiah is speaking to, that he is speaking to the Israelites who are in exile, that they feel like they've been forsaken by God, that they have gained the sort of consequences of what they have done in this life. And so they feel like they're just simply disposed and despised by God, and so he pushes them off to the side and leaves them in exile. 
And yet, as Isaiah finds himself in that situation, the Lord is telling him that he loves his people. And so he starts to tell all of these different glad tidings. And so this reading and this morning, we hear about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. That We hear about the one who is bringing the news of peace, of joy, of all of those things that they desire. That he is the one that is bringing the, that good news. And in fact, this is such a great set of, or a great spirit of news because whenever it's being given to them, it's not just abstract. It's not just saying good news and it kind of wanders on. But it tells about how there's restoration coming. How even Zion, how Jerusalem, all of these places are going to enjoy finally being in that peace and that security of being in God's favor yet again. And yet Isaiah's simple task in this particular reading, he's saying how beautiful are the feet of those who are bringing this good news. Because it's not just any good news. And as much as the Israelites might have known, they might not have ever expected that the Christ child was going to come for them. That the Christ child was going to be born of the house of David so long later. And yet nonetheless, it does happen. But Isaiah is there prophesying and he's telling about the Messiah even long before it comes. But it's news of great joy. It's news of restoration. We move on to the letter to the Hebrews, and we hear about how whenever the Lord was speaking through prophets, he spoke in partial and varied ways. That he spoke in many different ways, and they were abstract ways. That even in Isaiah, sometimes we could wonder if the people truly knew what Isaiah was saying. Eventually, they figured it out, but nonetheless, there was always this fragmentary nature. But what happens? We're told eventually that even though the Lord spoke through these prophets in fragmentary and varied ways, he now speaks through his son in these last days. And that's something that's a powerful thing. Because it's not just that they're prophesying about something that is to come, but this thing has happened. That the Lord started to speak through his son. That he was the one that was to come. And he was the one that was announcing great news to all people. And so this is a powerful thing because it's the realization of the things that have been promised, the things long hoped for, that they have now been realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so that letter to the Hebrews is speaking to the reality that the Son has come, that He has spoken the good news, the news that people have so longed for and wanted to hear for quite some time. And then finally we arrive at the Gospel according to John. This is one of those accounts that doesn't necessarily seem to deal with the Nativity directly, that it doesn't tell us all of those details that really make us understand the picture or at least the details of what actually happened that night in Bethlehem. But nonetheless, John the Baptist is much more focused on the deeper level theology. That he wants to tell us the story of why this matters. The way that he is a fulfillment. The ways that he has come. That even though he has existed through all of time, he saw fit to punctuate and to puncture our reality. To enter into time and to save all of humanity through this interaction. But nonetheless, we hear this crucial line that comes to us in the midst, in the context of this gospel. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do we realize what has just been said? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It wasn't enough that Jesus just existed in some world light years away, but he wanted to be one of his creation. And it wasn't as if he walked amongst us in his spiritual way, but he took on our very flesh, our very nature, that he became born as one of us, that he, the Creator, became one of his own creations. And why does he do this? 
He wants to show us just how close and how intimately connected he wants to be. That it isn't enough for him to speak words into our reality, but he wants to dwell in our flesh. That he wants to sanctify, to make holy, and to raise up our lowly human dignity to something so much greater. And this is why we hear about those angels that appear in the night sky that are glorifying God, because he has done something that can never have been imagined. Something that far surpasses the wildest imaginations and machinations of one's mind. He has taken on flesh. He's dwelt amongst his people that he has elected to come in this humble state to simply being born in a manger because he wants to save his people from their sins. Because he's very aware of the reality. We can't save us from ourselves. We can't save ourselves from sin. We can't save ourselves from the sufferings, the trials, and the tribulations of this life. We can barely cope with them, let alone conquer them in our own way. But the Lord can. And that's why this is such an important and powerful moment. Because the Lord, Jesus Christ, His Son, He enters into our reality that He takes on our very nature, our flesh. He dwells amongst us, He walks amongst us, and through that, He eventually accomplishes our salvation by the mystery of the cross. But nonetheless, we see this reality that the Lord is entering into our humanity. He takes up our nature. He walks amongst us and even dwells in our own land. But all of this goes to say, how does it change life for us right here and right now? Well, I think the first question that we should be asking ourselves, do we know what Christmas is all about? Now, in many ways, likely, we have the answer. We've got textbook knowledge of this. But do you know with your heart and soul what exactly this moment means? Because it means so much more than just words on paper. It means so much more than God just simply walked amongst us. But it shows us in very real and concrete terms just how much our Lord loves us. That he was willing to enter into that manger that night because he loves us so much that he didn't need a majestic throne. He didn't need to enter into, a into the world in a grandiose way, in a way that made everyone pay attention to him. He entered in that night sky, that night that was so quiet, so still and so cold. And yet, nonetheless, he saw it fit to enter in that way because he wanted to bring us into communion with him. And that, in fact, is why Christmas matters so much. And it's a reality that we should behold and we should treasure, because in this day and age, there's always that ever-present temptation to make Christmas very secular, to celebrate just simply the joy and kind of the sort of feelings of Christmas without them being attached to reality. And that's why sometimes we wind up feeling very empty, that after the Christmas Day festivities have passed, we find ourselves feeling that we are lost too, just like Charlie Brown. And sometimes we can get caught up in the commercial racket of the holiday and of the season, or sometimes we can even get caught up in that consumerist mentality. What's in it for me? The reality is there's a lot in it for us, but we can't just focus on number one and upon ourselves. But we have to, like Charlie Brown, be seeking the Lord in a very real way. Because, my brothers and sisters, we live in a day and age that is no different than that town so long ago, that little town of Bethlehem. We live in a day and age that's no different than the Israelites who are often feeling the pain of being in exile. That we too live in a world of darkness. We live in a world that needs to hear about the Christ child and that he has been born and that this changes everything. 
because it's not just one sign amongst many. This is a sign of God's tangible and concrete love for each of us, that he was sending his son into the world, that even if we were the only one that needed saving, that Christ child would have still been born in Bethlehem to save us from ourselves and from our sins. And this is, in fact, a story of love. But it should change our lives. Because as Charlie Brown beheld that news, as he heard the gospel and that account of the Lord's nativity being related to him, all of a sudden his heart was shifted. It changed. That he recognized the life should have been lived a little bit differently than what he had thought. And so therefore he went forward and he was singing with all the rest. He was no longer afflicted with trial and tribulation, that he didn't find himself depressed or discouraged or feeling empty, but he was full and filled to capacity because he recognized the Lord had come to him and that he was dwelling within, that he had come to save him from his sins. And so that simple question that Charlie Brown was grappling with that day, does anyone know what Christmas is all about? I dare say each and every one of us have that idea. God, our Lord, has condescended. He has taken on our flesh, and he has dwelled among us. God has visited his people. He lives amongst us to save us from our sins and to bring us good news. That no matter how much darkness this world offers and no matter how many sufferings, how many trials or different things happen, nonetheless, God walks with us. He is here. He is Emmanuel. He is the one who has been promised of all ages, has become incarnate, has dwelt in the flesh, and even lives with us this day through the sacraments, through the church, and through one another. My brothers and sisters, Christ has indeed been born in Bethlehem. Whenever Charlie Brown asks that simple question, what is Christmas all about? It's all about the incarnation. It's all about Jesus Christ and how he has come to dwell amongst us. May we, like Charlie Brown, find the good news that we are searching for, and may that change our hearts and our souls, not just simply this day, but each and every day of our lives.